0: This episode of the Ed Curation Podcast is sponsored by Infinity Learning. Infinity Learning is a collaborative game the whole class gets to play together that measures the knowledge, skills, and dispositions of each student while on an epic adventure together. Think Magic School Bus on steroids, where students get to apply their learning in a hands-on way infinity learning has been partnered with the national science foundation and the american society for engineering education to develop this innovative program that's taking classrooms by storm want to turn your classroom into a spaceship shrink ray or time machine right now infinity learning is offering a free trial contact them by visiting edcuration.com or through the link in the episode notes You're listening to the Ed Curation Podcast. We bring you stories from educational leaders about the instructional resources, practices, and movements that are reshaping learning. I've had at least 15 students who have increased more than
1: four grade levels.
2: Used theater as a tool to make great human beings.
1: My expectations are high for all of them.
2: One of the things that I really love about teaching is the fact that every day is sort of unique and different and strange.
1: I was teaching adults and I wanted to leverage these experiences in the classroom. I, I liked teaching. I definitely wanted to gear it more toward the younger ages. And I thought, you know, these business experiences, these technology tools that we use even then back in, you know, 2010, 29, 2009, they they're crucial for the student's performance and their success in the future. And these are things we did every day.
0: Our guest today, Stephen Lamb, comes from a business background and moved into education about 13 years ago, opposite of current trends. In that time, he's been recognized as a PBS Digital Innovator, an Apple Distinguished Educator, the Henry Ford Innovative Teacher, and an ISTE Making It Happen Award recipient. He's also had the opportunity to speak at the 2016 and 2017 ABQ education events. And you'll find the link to that TED Talk in the episode notes. Stephen believes 21st century preparation occurs through meaningful and innovative collaboration.
1: In 2011, uh, the iPad had recently come out and the district I was in at that time had bought several of them for each um, teacher, but there really wasn't PD to, to really speak of. They didn't have a lot of training. It was kind of like, Hey, here's this cool tool. Go. So I ran with it. I had that freedom at that time to say, I remember using it for this or using it for that. And uh, I created my own integration plan and my own curriculum based around it. And I saw how it benefited the students immediately. And, uh, As I saw it developing, I wanted to pay it forward. I wanted other teachers to learn how to use it. I wanted them to uh, understand the power of it and that it's not a distraction, that it could actually be an enhancer for almost every lesson.
0: The International School of Denver was recently lucky enough to snag Stephen with a new role created just for him. As the educational technology integrationist, he works with diverse students and educators to redefine traditional classroom instruction.
1: Not only do I take this knowledge of all these ed tech tools, but now they have me going into the teacher's classroom To almost, in a sense, co-teach with them. So I'm teaching the teacher and I'm teaching the students how to use this particular tool. At the same time, I'm helping teachers brainstorm of how can we leverage the tool for future lessons? So instead of just handing them off a bunch of tools and programs and them going, "Ah, I'm not sure, now they've got me in there with them guiding them. And of course, you know, teachers are amazing. They would have figured it out anyway, but it's always nice to have another resource or another person in there, especially nowadays, right? With the class size is so big and all these different tools that have come because of the pandemic.
0: I have been in those early professional developments, like beginning of the year professional developments where they introduce a thing, you know, here's this new program or here's this new grading software that we're using, or here's this new, whatever. And, um, and basically they tell you, here's here's your login, go spend your own time figuring this out. Um, if you need help, let us know. And I would be the only one in the room with my right. hand up saying, yes, yes I would. I would like additional support. I, I don't, I don't have time or the expertise to figure this out. The fact that they're creating that, the kind of position just feels so comforting and reassuring if I was a teacher in your school, but also what you said at the start is that this really is no longer an option, especially after the last two years. You know, we have to be able to integrate tech into every single content area and every single classroom. And there are so many great programs now and tools. If you're not integrating tech, you're kind of missing out. One of Stephen's first tech integrations, which is also the subject of his TED talk, was an experiment with virtual team teaching. The applications of this are kind of endless, and Stephen and his then colleague, now wife, Rachel Thomas, created a template, maybe even a movement, that a lot of educators are learning from. So I wanted to jump right into that story.
1: So early on, like I was talking about how we were looking for ways to leverage the technology, I would go to every conference that was available. Just to get an idea of what's going on in other people's classrooms and trainings, and um, this particular conference put on by our district, I met uh, my wife, and you know, at that time, uh, she she was teaching, I think, third, and I was teaching second, and we both had this love of these ed tech tools, and we said, "Hey, let's you know connect using teleconferencing." I think at that time, some people who were using Skype for like mystery Skypes at that time, but it was very, very minimal. So we said, let's use teleconferencing and let's just connect and have our classrooms talk to each other because we thought that'd be a novel idea. So my second graders were talking to her third graders and they would introduce themselves. And we noticed that uh, not only were they much more engaged, they were super excited about it. And they started sharing other bits of information that we said, let's turn this into academia. So my second graders would do research on bees, and so would the third grader, and then they would present to each other to see who came up with what ideas, and they would share, and it would go back and forth. Uh, What also developed was a social connection.
0: Another benefit that Steve and Rachel hadn't really planned for was the level of social connection the students experienced. Students were connecting with a classroom across the city, and then a classroom in a whole different city, and eventually different countries.
1: They started asking about well, where do you live?
0: Where do you eat? What kinds of things do you like to eat?
1: How come you speak like that?
0: There were all these questions being asked that went beyond the academic focus of the partnership.
1: My students had been in a classroom with, you know, their peers for weeks and weeks and months and months, and they knew each other. Some of them were in other classes with each other. And they, you know, in a better, in a lack of a better sense, they knew each other. And they knew each other's positives and negatives, their quirks and some things that annoyed each other. Well, here was a class that they didn't know anything about each other. So you almost got a fresh start if you were labeled that problem student or the troubled student or the gifted student. And, you know, you just didn't like that label and it was hard to break away from your peers in the classroom. Here was another connection and it was growth on an SEL level I'd never seen before.
0: So Stephen and Rachel started having their classes meet more than once a week, sometimes as often as three times a week. They expanded into sharing math lessons, language arts lessons.
1: And this grew so uh, powerful that then we included other classrooms. We connected with a college in Malaysia. And they were mostly talking to each other through video, not live feed because of the time difference. They connected with a classroom in Jamaica, I believe it was middle school. They connected uh, with a classroom in New York. so. It grew and grew and grew, and um, the the most powerful, I believe, was the college class because they were so excited by this connection that as a it was uh, science based. They were the college students were teaching my students about cells and biology, and they bust in the class at midnight to their own campus so that they could live stream with our classrooms and then they got to talk to each other and talk about weather and talk about buildings and how their society is and it grew and grew and grew and so we kept doing this for several years. I started doing this with every class no matter what grade I was in and so did my wife. We tried to include more teachers I should should say and some were game and some weren't and next thing you know the pandemic hit. And now there's a huge resurgence of this method of virtual team teaching because they were forced to start connecting uh, over teleconferencing. And what, what a great tool to reach other classrooms. I know many teachers were struggling to you know even connect with their own classroom at that time, but the principles were still there. The connections were still there. The tools were still there. It's had a nice little resurgence. And I'm, I, I'm proud to say that of all the classrooms that I had taught over the years that we did do virtual team teaching. I can honestly say, I'll bet those students were prepared for the pandemic more so than others because of what we had uh, experienced with them.
0: Well, this idea of global citizenship is becoming a bigger and bigger focus and it really in- enables that. But also you're making me think of those early days of quarantine back in 2020, And that there was while we were all in isolation, there was also this strange sense of solidarity that everyone on the globe is having a similar experience that I've never had before in my lifetime. I mean, we've never really gone through something that was global in the same way that this was so this would have been the perfect time for kids to really connect with people in other places in the world because we were having this shared experience.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, this lends itself to all the global competencies immediately, especially when you're leveraging technology in that way. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're looking at Uh, You're investigating the world, right? That's one of the competencies. You're you're recognizing perspectives. So you have to recognize your own perspective and somebody else's. You're communicating as many ideas as you can with diverse audiences. And of course, you're taking action. So with all of that, you're, you're becoming a global citizen with those global competencies just by leveraging these tools.
0: I'm sure that there are people listening who are just wondering about the logistics of how you arranged these connections with classrooms and students in other parts of the world.
1: What was really great about this is at that time, you know, I had my teacher laptop. Rachel had her teacher laptop. And I think I had, she had like three iPads and my class had like 10 iPads. And then you had a couple. Uh, desktops, so that were mandatory in every classroom. The biggest tool was the teacher laptop. All we did was turn on Zoom uh, on both, and the students, of course, learned procedure to walk up and speak, take their, you know, not speak while others are speaking, keep the noise to a minimum when, when we're when we're broadcasting like that. So really, we didn't need a ton of tools, and the tools that we did need, they were already with us. Most teachers have it.
0: Yeah. And you certainly didn't need one to one technology. So, no, no. Yeah. Okay.
1: And so that's, that was the common thread throughout these other classrooms. Almost every teacher we connected with had a camera and had that Wi Fi connection that you could do, you know, to a a Zoom or to Meet or whichever platform they wanted to use.
0: And then how did you make, for example, who this class that you reached out to in Malaysia? Hmm. Did you know somebody? How did that? How did
1: that come about? We were active on social media, and um, she happened to come across uh, what we were posting, and she said, "I'd love to be a part of this." And we were super excited that somebody from Malaysia, you know, even responded to us. And um, we said, "Great! What, what you know? What class do you have?" And she says, "I'm college level science, and this is what we're learning." Well, it just so happened that um, you know our standards had that biology bend, and we're like, "Perfect! Do you want?" your students to teach our students, you know, what they know about biology and our students will present uh, what they have learned, you know, and we would do this through uh, Dropbox. We would send each other files back and forth, video files through Dropbox. Um, There was another few platforms that we had used that they were sending videos back and forth because, you know, we were still nervous. It was still student safety, privacy policy. We wanted to make sure that all the right people were seeing this information. And that's when everybody got so excited. They're like, you know what? Let's just go live. Now, I will admit, we couldn't have done the live like they did because they were adults and because they bust in at midnight. That was a bonus.
0: Stephen and Rachel eventually created a website where educators interested in participating in virtual team teaching could make connections with each other. You'll find the link to their website in the episode notes, and you can also just search virtual team teaching. This was kind of the concluding piece in the underlying rom-com storyline. In your story, when you and your wife were first collaborating to team to do virtual team teaching, were you married yet?
1: No, we were not married. Um, uh, we, had, we had met just two individual people at the conference and conference. spent years working together. and. There you go.
0: And the rest is history.
1: <laughs> That's right.
0: I'm wondering if there were any privacy concerns for students, safety concerns um, around the virtual team teaching. And then just as you, you as a tech integration specialist, what are your protocols and precautions?
1: First and foremost, every district I've ever worked for already has that privacy uh, form. Well, we doubled up. We my wife and I we consulted some uh, professionals, and we created our own. We let parents know this is what we're doing, and um, you know, please sign off on it if you agree with this. We're going to be using Zoom. We're going to be connecting with other classrooms. Uh, luckily, we did not have one parent that said no. Every parent was willing. Uh, even but if we did, that would have been easy. They just would have been off camera, and we would have just been very careful about what they were what they were sharing, because a lot of the tools today have those built-in safety features. And, you know, I don't want to use any tools that are not FERPA or COPA compliant.
0: In case you're not up on these acronyms, FERPA is the Family Education Rights and Privacy Act that has been in effect since 1974, specifically written to protect student privacy, COPA is the Children's Online Privacy Protection Act passed in 1998, dealing specifically with how websites, apps, and all online operators collect data from children under 13 years of age.
1: Here at the International School of Denver, we pay particular close attention to it. We have a great um, IT team and leader that makes sure that when we approve something, we go down the checklist to make sure that it's safe.
0: Speaking of fabulous resources for integrating tech, today's sponsor, Infinity Learning, can be used to reinforce learning in almost any subject area, along with SEL and 21st century skills.
2: Hey there, this is Brooks Heater, co-founder of Infinity Learning. And yes, according to my business card, I'm also the head lunch lady. Infinity Learning is excited to be sponsoring this episode of the Ed Creation Podcast. Here at Infinity Learning, we are driven by a passion to unlock the future of education. We do that by thinking outside the bubble sheet and creating delightful experiences uh, in every interaction. How we do this is by turning a classroom into a spaceship, shrink ray, or time machine. And yes, you heard that right. We wanna throw kids on an authentic learning experience all together as a class, where they have to apply their knowledge, use social skills, and display their 21st century skills in order to be successful. We're looking for other innovative thinkers and people who want to join us on this journey. And so please reach out to us.
0: You can find Infinity Learning at EdCuration.com or through the link in the episode notes. Learn about their pilot opportunities, schedule a demo for your team, download a quote, or just send your question to Brooks and his team. Now, back to Steve. In tech integration. I think that some of those integrations are fairly self-evident. That's pretty obvious um, in some content areas. And there are a lot of great programs for integrating and science and, you know, math and kind of the the core content. But other content areas maybe aren't so obvious. So I'm thinking like art, PE, maybe even music. Talk about some of the surprising innovations that you have come across and some of those less obvious content areas. What are you doing in those, in those classrooms?
1: Let's talk about PE. Uh, I know a lot of people were like, well, how do you integrate it in that? It's not really tech-based on and so forth. But as time went on, we saw that uh, the Fitbits, the Apple Watches. And the information that you can get from those, even if you didn't buy a full class set and you only bought a few and you put them on groups of students at a time, they'd be analyzing their heart rate. They'd be doing math when it comes to that. They'd be looking at how many steps or what was the movement. Um, The videos that you could be using in PE, you'd be um, recording students doing particular actions and then using that to assess what they're doing or even highlight what they're doing to other classes. I mean, you have these how-to videos that one class could make for another. So between the wearable technology and the video and how are they analyzing uh, movements and skills, let's say you use slow motion, let's say you you do time-lapse, there's a ton that you can put into something like that. Same with art. There are so many graphic design programs now that come on iPads or tablet computers and regular computers that an art teacher can leverage. And music, once again, creating your own music mixes there's tons of websites and even like apple has the garage band app that you can um develop poetry in language arts take that poem to music use your garage band create a beat or a music and then say your poem on top of that so next thing you know you've got poem to music which could be considered rap i mean there's so many different ways that you can connect all of these in these classes, it can reach almost all subject areas in one way or another.
0: Just a quick note to let you know that we have so many amazing tech integration programs and tools here at Ed Curation. and I've linked some of our favorites in the episode notes. Make sure to browse them. They're so much fun. Your imagination will expand with possibility. What are some of the favorite projects that you've worked on? with your classrooms there at Denver International School?
1: Uh, right now, um, we I just had one of the fifth grade classes uh, dive into double exposure photography. So what we were doing is we were using our iPads. They were asked in a particular unit to explore their own identity and culture. And in some of them, we're looking at current events and how it relates to them. And they were just in here a few weeks ago. And after I had taught them how to layer the photos, how to use the tool, and then it's up to the class and the teacher to connect it to the curriculum. And they were, of course, taking selfies because kids this age love selfies, but they were doing it in a way that they would position their head in a certain way, knowing that they're going to layer another picture on top of their selfie. We had one student do this wonderful picture where she was showing what her culture is now as a child of the pandemic. And so her background was full of bright red COVID cells. While she had layered this very gothic mask over her own selfie, but you could still see her because she, um, uh, you know, made it a little transparent and it was haunting and it was gorgeous. And it was another outlet for these students to use it in a creative way, along with their writing and dealing with those digital tools in a creative way. And that's one of my current favorites right now.
0: Oh, yeah. I don't want to get too data-focused necessarily, but what have been some of the outcomes that you've seen through this work of integrating technology that you feel like you maybe wouldn't have achieved in any other way?
1: Honestly, it's that teacher connection. Because we're applying the technology in a way that's not necessarily mandatory or forced like the pandemic made many of it. I've been happy to see how willing many of the teachers are as, oh, we can use it like this. Oh, this is super cool. This is creative. Oh, it's adding to my lesson. It's not taking over my lesson and becoming a technology lesson. So their, their willingness and their understanding has been fantastic because I I was worried that the pushback was going to be hard and I wasn't going to be able to reach a lot, but it's been a wonderful integration, especially at this school. They've been willing and, and they've been exceeding.
0: Well and it sounds like the the learning curve can kind of be as gentle as they need it to be because you're just you're there you're ready to partner with them. Yep. When and a, how they're ready.
1: Absolutely and I and I really do believe that's key and I hope more schools and districts do that because it is such an integral part of their future that technology doesn't always have to be that separate specials that kids go to for 45 minutes. Yeah technology is like the pencil and the paper and anything else we use in our classroom and mm-hmm. to enhance something. That's all.
0: So how unique is your position? Do you see other schools and districts doing this?
1: I have. I've seen a lot more doing it now. Now, I don't know if the model is the same as this where I go into their classroom every day. My, my goal is to be in someone's classroom or, or meet going to one of their meetings, their grade level meetings and saying, hey, I have something that may contribute to that because I don't want to take over the meeting or run it for technology. I want to hear their, their planning mm. and where they're going with their next unit. And then at the end, I'll pipe up and say, I have some options if you want them and then yeah. show them what's there. And then we take it from there.
0: So, Stephen, I see you sitting there in what looks like a technology lab. You've got your microphone boom and all of that. <laughs> and I'm wondering if your students are doing anything with podcasting.
1: That is up and coming. Okay. I think if we do a school one that comes out every month, that'd be fantastic.
0: Hey, listeners, I know you'd love to hear that student podcast. I know I would. I'm going to keep in touch with Steven and we'll definitely share a bonus episode with you when that happens. So I have two more questions, kind of the bright side and the dark side. We'll start with the dark side. What are your concerns about technology? Do you have any?
1: I do. I do. And I, and I have to be careful of this because I, I don't want to sound like that I'm anti anything, but- You know, I'll worry about screen time, right? Yeah. Yeah. Screen time is one of them, depending on grade level. There's a lot of research. Uh, I've looked at it myself. A lot of it varies, but many of the averages I've seen is, you know, if your child is from two to five, they were saying an hour per weekday and three hours on weekend days. Even then I think that's, that's pushing it. But my, my major concern, is geared more toward the older, but unfortunately the young have been caught up in it, is the social media aspect. Uh, while social media is fantastic in making connections for us in the professional world and sharing teacher ideas, and we've connected with family members in far-off places, in far off places uh, even now, today, you know, social media is keeping people informed that otherwise wouldn't have any information. When it comes to kids... Unless a really strong digital citizenship uh, program has been imp- implemented, they struggle with um, jealousy. Is this how I'm supposed to be living my life? Receiving only information that they want rather than a full picture. You know, the dangers of all social media that adults face today. We have children dabbling in it, and it's a danger. And parents need to be aware that it's 13 and above is actually the legal. For most social media, uh, many children you know, below that age with parent uh, permissions, of course, can still get it. But you need to monitor what they're seeing, who they're connecting with, what are they looking at. And, this, and schools need to be careful with that. I know some schools want to use social media as a, as a teaching tool. But think about the grade level. Think about the, the reason. Um, we just need to be very hyper aware because once you dip your toe into that pool, it's hard to get out.
0: Without completely derailing this episode into the evils of social media, I feel compelled to mention that Stephen is actually understating the danger pretty significantly. And if you're a parent or educator listening and you haven't yet watched the documentary, The Social Dilemma, and familiarized yourself with the work of Tristan Harris and the Center for Humane Technology, please either add it to your to do list right now or stop listening and go watch the documentary and then share with your children and your students. I really can't recommend this strongly enough. And to make it easy for you, I'm including all the links in the episode notes. So on the bright side, what excites you about kids and technology? The future is a little bit hard to imagine, but I'd love to hear what, what you're loving and what you're looking forward to and what you envision.
1: It's impossible to know where technology is going next. It, it, man, this thing just takes off, doesn't it? I mean, we were just talking about 2011. Not that, and that wasn't that long ago, and look at where we've come now. But I think next steps is making sure they just have a good foundation. Like you said, media literacy, digital citizenship, um, problem-solving skills, communication skills. If you create that base of these things that almost every piece of technology is going to use in one way or another, then they'll be be prepared for what's coming. And what I'm most excited about for what's coming is I know virtual reality and augmented reality have been around for a while, but I I see it more definitely uh, being a benefit in the education world where students are going to have a device where of course they're seeing reality around them. They're dealing with their physical peers. They're having healthy social interactions. And at the same time they're engaging in what they call augmented reality, where you see these digitized visuals in the real world, whether it be through a lens or glasses or on a iPad screen that enhance the experience and add information to whatever lesson you're doing. And, Uh, you think of groups, right? How we teachers sometimes do small group work. So you have five groups sitting around the room. Imagine having a tool where each group has this really cool interactive augmented reality feature that lets the students know what their task and their goal is for each group. So it's like visiting a video game that tells you where you're going to go next. And that engagement piece will keep their attention better than most teachers telling them, all right, step one, do this, step two, do this, <laughs> they'll interact and they'll gain tons of information because the way they take information now is a lot faster than when I was a kid. I'll yeah. tell you that they can handle, you know, five pieces of information coming at them at once and be able to, to break it down and look at it depending on age, of course. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. All right, so what if there is a school or a teacher or an educational leader listening and wondering, how do, how do we get started? What is the first step?
1: I believe the first step is to teach the art of integration. What's, what's its purpose?
0: It has to enhance the
1: learning. Yep. It's not a separate piece anymore. This is part of everybody's life and it's gonna be a big part of their future. So by laying the foundation and let teachers know that this isn't mandatory, this just helps you and in many cases makes your job easier. That would be crucial before you start handing out all this technology and all these programs. Because letting them know what the SAMR model is or all these different ideas of how to integrate technology, knowing that ahead of time before handing it to them, I think would get them more prepared and more excited about the possibilities. So it's that info piece before the hardware piece.
0: You can find links to Stephen Lamb, his TED Talk, and some examples of student projects from the International School of Denver in the episode notes. You can also connect to our sponsor, Infinity Learning. Log in to hear from students and teachers, stories like the student crying in her hospital bed, not because of pain, but because she wanted to be at school doing their mission so badly. And another about a student who never spoke up or engaged, suddenly taking control of the room and saving their crew from disaster. The magic created in an infinity classroom is really something special. Jason Pierce, a seventh grade science teacher from Uinta Middle School, said, I absolutely love infinity. It's the most amazing way to teach STEM using technology. There's nothing else out there that even compares with student engagement using computers. Learn more and start your free trial by visiting infinitylearning at edcuration.com. We appreciate you joining us today. And if you found this episode helpful, we'd be so thankful for a star rating and a short review to help us keep bringing you all of the leaders, resources, and movements that are reshaping learning.